Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is a longtime dear friend of mine who is also in this wonderful industry of hair that we love so much. His name is Joe Santi. Um, We met 27-ish years ago when my good friend brought me along on a Matrix um, hair show trip and she spilled multiple Bloody Marys in my lap on the airplane. So I made her move over to the other side of the plane. She sat next to Joe. We got to meet each other and I realized who he was. He was the the man that I admired his perms in all of the magazines at the time. And he could not have been more open and amazing at, you know, hanging out with us and making us feel very special. And we, we have stayed in touch for all those years. So welcome, Joe. I'm so excited to have you here on my podcast. It's such a such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. And I appreciate everything you've done. I mean, you, you re-excited me. And this is going to sound like it's like a mutual thing, but it's not for all you people listening. Elaine was a guest on my Tuesdays with Joe. And I'm going to hold this book up. I have the book right here, but I'm more excited about her fearless formulation class. You can see I have gray hair. I have a gray beard. I've been doing this for 46 years. But every year, I take X amount of money and I spend it on self-improvement. Cutting and plus uh, there's something called Matrix IQ, which Elaine and I, you and I have to talk about that at some point too, which is outside of the industry. So I am more than excited and more than humbled and honored that I'm on the show with Elaine because we do go back, thank God for like uh, incidences that cause things that just happen, like spilling, what was it? She spilled a, a Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Mary and she had white lap. pants on. She was wearing white pants and we're on this flight and she's a nervous flyer. So she always has to have a cocktail. And of course she chose Bloody Mary. So she spills the first one and it went like, in my lap, in her lap, in her handbag. She's taking her handbag all apart, taking everything out, cleans it all up. The stewardess brings her another one. She spills this one again. So now she jumps up and she's sticking her butt in this older gentleman's face when, and his wife is having a fit because he's checking out her you know, perfect little butt with her Bloody Mary all over it. It was an absolute disaster. And I was like, girl, you need to just go sit somewhere else. Like I can't, I gag at the smell of Bloody Mary's. You're driving me insane. Like I like to sit and read to your point about advanced education. I'm always reading a book about some sort of self, self-help self thing that can, you know, help move me forward in my life. And having Bloody Marys in my lap is not part of that, that plan. So you were so amazing letting her sit with you and talk your ear off because she is such a terrified flyer. She drinks and talks the entire time. So everyone around her, if you plan on sleeping on a long flight, forget it, you're not sleeping but she leaves every single flight with three new best friends from wherever they live and they stay in touch and she visits them and it's her thing. So I'm surprised she didn't show up at your house to, to stay with you after that. <laughs> it just reminded me of a quick story too. I was sitting in first class one time and I had the seat open next to me and this guy, I'll never forget it. He's given this young mother with a crying baby a hard time. It's like she was sitting next to him and I said to her, I said, why don't you move and sit next to me? So I even ended up holding. She would give me to happen. I, you know, I was much younger, but stuff like that never bothered me. I mean, we're all, we're all in this industry together and we're all on this earth together. So we may as well help one another as we go along. That's what I've always liked about you, Elaine, is that what you've done, I'm, I'm proud of you. Not that you need me to be proud of you, but everything you've done with this expert color solutions to me is amazing. I mean, it's, you've really taken it to the next level, which I can appreciate. Thank you. I do appreciate you saying that because I have sat in on your classes trying to learn to be a better presenter. You were always a mentor to me, how you made everyone in your class feel so comfortable and, 
you kept it casual, but super informative where it was never boring. You know, you always got to the point, you were very good at visual demonstrations. And it's hard because I think for me, um, you know, it was always a dream to be you, to be the person on the stage, to have the little Britney Spears mic. You know, I would sit there as, as a cosmetologist and be like, oh my gosh, that is like such a dream to be on that stage. And then you get there. And speaking of reading on planes, the whole way to my first presentation, I was able to do the Premier Orlando as my first gig. And I was beyond nervous, like so worried about what I was going to wear, what shoes, what color toenail polish, like down to the detail, like anyone really cared. You know, you think that everybody's judging every speck of you. I was reading the book, Talk Like Ted. And I remember somebody had recommended it. They're like, oh, if you're going to do public speaking, read this book. And I literally read the entire book on the airplane on the way to Premier Orlando. And I'm so glad that I did because in the book, it talks about the most popular TED Talks in the history of TED Talks were people who were not public speakers. They had zero experience in public speaking. They came to the stage with a message that meant something to them and they told a story. And in telling a story, you, you lived the story. You understand what happened. It's with you. You can tell the story 500 times and tell it exactly the same because it's your story and it's truth. So when you get up to speak, right before I go on, I take a deep breath and I say, I'm here teaching because I wish that someone like me was there for me when I didn't understand hair color. And that's where I come from. It's a story and a conversation of how I went from being clueless to fearless in formulation. How did I get there? What was that in between? You know, it's like, it's like the dash on your tombstone, you know, born on this date dash, what happened after the dash? You know, some people, you never know what their dash looked like. So I want the struggling colorist to know exactly how I got from here to here and not leave anything out. So for you to, to be able to get up there when, when you're teaching me, I may have been 20 years into the industry, but you also have people that didn't get licensed yet and are in school. It might be student day at the show. You have people who have 10 years experience, 20 years or 50 years, and you have to entertain and educate all of them. So that's where the true passion comes in because you, you have to know how to read the room and see what the responses are. I know you'll agree with me. Like sometimes you look out and everybody has that same blank stare that you're like, oh no, do I have like spinach in my tooth from earlier? Like, is anybody listening to anything that I'm saying? So it's, it's really a dance of not so complicated that someone brand new can't understand, but not so basic that someone seasoned doesn't feel like it's worth their time. And you've managed to be able to do that. And I believe that that's why you're still so relevant. You know, you're talking about your gray hair. It's a podcast. Most people can't see your beautiful gray hair and your handsome face. But, you know, it's it's to me as a student, I want someone with more experience and has been in the industry longer. That's who I look up to to show me the way where this new generation they look at the gray hair and the experience as like, oh, what do they know? They're old school. So I think that's something that you and I have to deal with every day as far as the uh, the delivery of, of the education. Now, on a positive note with all that, though, I have to tell you, there's just as many uh, people I run into now virtually since all this COVID thing that are in their 20s that actually want a mentor or somebody to align with that has been in the industry a longer period of time because they, you know, there was a concept and I know Anthony Robbins didn't start it. It could have been back in the day of, of uh, neuro, neuropsych, neuropsychology and it was called modeling. So if you saw somebody that was doing what you were doing, you, want to model, you wanted to model yourself after them. So I was very fortunate as a student in beauty school, I did my first show not only behind the scenes, but I did my first show on the stage. And I'll tell you about that in a second, where I was uh, assisting people like Arnie Miller, uh, the Michael Swaggers of the world. I'm trying to think of some of these guys, even some like wild men, like Larry Summerford and Bill Wampler. And it was nice because I've always pictured our industry 
and you've exemplified this, by the way, with the expert color solutions, as we each have a toolbox in this industry. And the more tools you could put in it, which is the more styles you see, the techniques. I mean, I couldn't cut hair in the beginning because my first haircut, there's a V scar on this knuckle. <laughs> we, all, we all have the V. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that was my very first haircut. So it scared the living daylights out of me. And for the first three years of my career, I did nothing but coloring in permanent waves. Until Helene, I was working for Helene Curtis back in the day. And they said to me, Joe, we need you to start teaching haircutting. And I'm going, oh my God, what am I going <laughs> to do now? It's my first show, as I said, when I was, was a student. And I was just telling this story the other day to a friend of mine. Because like you, she said, well, you get on stage, you do this. But I, I'm just... But um, I am off stage. I am on stage. Like when people say, I'd like to be like you. See, for me, I wish I had more like the Robert Chromians or the Sambias in me because they, on stage, they were incredible. And then God rest his soul, Martin Parsons was mm. bar none. I mean, amazing. if you could just get the essence of the way Martin's stage presence was, he's amazing. And, and on a business side, you and I both know, you know, you, you got Gino, you got Gino Stampore, you got Paul de Grigley. So you got a, a lot of people. I mean, there's tons of people out there that are wonderful on stage. But I think the secret is just being authentic to yourself. You know that I love Einstein. You know that I start off with quotes. So one of my favorite quotes is, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it. So when I get on and see somebody, whether it's somebody talking about color, whether it's somebody talking about permanent waves, and they start using what I call the $64 words, then to me, they're just doing that. I, I want somebody, if they're giving up their time to hear me speak, I want them to leave with something of value. And I don't even care if it's just one thing, but then I want them to leave with something of value. So to your point, when you see somebody glazed over, uh, in a lot of cases, I, I would look at that, that maybe I didn't explain something good enough. And fortunately for you and me, that at the age we are now and for the years we've been doing it, you're able to say, okay, I just, I just spoke about formulation, formulating blondes, maybe they glazed over. Maybe I have to go back in and re-explain it. And I do the same thing with right now. I only speak on permanent waving, Olaplex and business mainly. So if I see that happening, especially with Olaplex, you got to remember, I never dreamt when we first did Olaplex back in the day that I would ever have to be educating on it because it's an additive that you squeeze and pour, but it's taken a significant amount of education out in the field. And it's been, it's been pretty amazing to me. Absolutely. And, and I'll tell you a funny story about the glazed look. So the first show was Premier Orlando. And I'm on the stage and I'm, you know, doing my thing. And you always end up locking eyes with the one person who looks like they want to strangle you. Like you can't figure out what the look is, but they have a look and then you can't unsee them. You know, you look around the room and you just keep locking back on that person. And immediately after my presentation, I said to my daughter, there's this one girl and she's had this like look on her face. I said, did I have like something going on? Was my bra strap hanging out? Like, what was that? And she's like, no, you were fine. I don't know what that is. And that exact person would stay back. Everybody would leave the class. I'm cleaning up my stuff. And she would approach me and say, that was the best class I've ever had. The way that you explained X, Y, Z just really made sense to me. Like, can you take a picture with me? Can you sign my book? And I'm like, wow, I'm thinking she's judging me and hates me. She's my number one fan. And then it happened again at the Long Beach show and it happened again at the Houston show and it happened. And I'm like, okay, the look that I'm interpreting as like a hairy eyeball, like, what are you talking about? Is like an intense, I'm really concentrating. I really want to get this. This is really amazing face. So now I don't let it get to me. I'm like, I talk to them even more now. Like when I see that face, I end up saying, what's your name? And I look at their name tag. I'm like, Jill, Jill. And I'll, I'll bring her into the presentation. And it, it changed everything for me. So it goes back to what you were saying about, you know, you love something that's outside the matrix thing that's outside of the salon industry. I think so much of our success, whether we're educators or behind the chair, has nothing to do with technical skills. It's all about reading people. Absolutely. And when I get uncomfortable, I end up always resorting to humor. So 
when it first happened, if I was in a room and somebody kind of had that look, especially when I do that math equation that you and I were just talking about that's in the book, I'm like, I'll, I'll look at somebody and they'll kind of have that look, their heads kind of tilted to the side and I'll say, you're looking suddenly constipated. Are you okay? And everybody starts laughing and they'll be like, well, yeah, I don't really understand, but they didn't feel comfortable doing this and raising their hand and saying, I don't understand. So then they remain in a state of confusion the whole rest of the presentation instead of just taking the time, because you know what this feels like. You raise your hand at a show and like 300 eyeballs turn around and look at you and your voice gets all shaky. I mean, I'm pretty extroverted and I don't like when everybody all of a sudden looks at me when I'm asking a question, but I also normally refuse to leave the class until I have my question answered. And I think that right there is the reason that I'm still around. And the reason you're still around is knowing when you don't know and not being afraid to ask, you know, sitting in it and wondering and pretending gets you absolutely nowhere. If there's one piece of advice I could give your whole audience on shows, it's getting the front row. Like we were saying, 300 eyes on you. When I was younger, I used to sit in the back of the room. And then I thought, you know what? This is ridiculous. And now I do it out of necessity because you know, I'm 65. My hearing's going. I'm going to sit in the front. But you get into that front row and you do ask the questions. If I don't care if you're putting out $10 for a two-day show or whatever it is. Like you said, you should have... Before I used to go to a show, I would write down what I wanted to learn to your point about, you know, answering, get your questions answered. And my philosophy was always, no matter what the price of a show or a seminar, if I came out with one new technique and one new product, something I would like, and that's the other piece of advice I would give everybody, don't be afraid to spend your money. You want people to spend money with you spend money with other people in order to, to try a new product, to try a new book, to get a new, uh, nobody listens. Forgive me. I'm going to, I was going to say a, a CD or a DVD, but or download. So, you know, stream something that maybe costs something because normally if there's a cost tied to it and 99% of the time, it's going to provide value for you. You might have 1% where you go, that sucked, but, but, you'll learn what not to do. Oh, my story, by the way, to tell you, I was still in beauty school when I was actually, they made me a main stage presenter. I had, I started off with 240 people. Now understand I couldn't cut hair to save my severe butt because I was at, I, I understood the technique. I could explain it, but it didn't correlate to my hands because I was gun shy because of cutting that knuckle. So within the first hour, it was a three hour show within the first hour and a half, I think I was down to 120 people. And that's the other thing I want to get across to everybody that's listening to this podcast. When you want to become an educator, it's, we learn by experience. Like the, people always say, well, what's good judgment? Well, good judgment is when you've learned from experience. Well, how do you get the experience? Sometimes it's bad judgment. Sometimes it's something bad that gives you that experience. So you just like Elaine was saying, she doesn't let somebody's RBF, and you all know what that means, <laughs> like affect her. You, when you start off, you may not be able to connect with everybody. And I, again, yesterday, I just had this uh, conversation with one of my colleagues at Olaplex. When you put somebody on stage, you can only coach them to a certain point because you don't know what questions are going to come up. If I don't care if I was, I started in this business at 20 years old. Whether I was 20 or whether I'm 65, if I didn't know the answer, I would say, I don't know the answer. At the end of the class, please give me your name. And we didn't have email back then, obviously. Please give me your name and phone number, and I would call you. And back then, for all of you that are under 30, it cost us money to have, if I had to call somebody in California, it was probably $1.39 a minute or $2 a minute back then. <laughs> but never, never pretend that you know an answer because. We're all constant. My one of my favorite quotes is when you're green, you're growing, when you're ripe, you're rot. So every day I know Elaine gets up like this, I get up like this. I'm excited to see what new learning is going to transpire today. And it does. Absolutely. 100 percent And and to your point, it's always so I'm working something. I'll give you an example. Right. It, it and it's something you either learn what to do or what not to do. It's it's kind of like um when people say, well. Are you moving? You feel like you're moving forward. What people don't know is when you get up, 
there's only two choices. You move forward or you go backwards. You can't stay still. You waste the whole day, you've gone backwards. So you get up and you you press on forwards. I mean, to allow, I don't even know if I, did I tell you this? I have to work on a new seminar called Hair Damage. Mm-mm. Yeah, so I'm working on it. And when I tell you it's tough, it's tough because hair damage to a chemist and hair damage to a consumer. And then you put hairdressers in between there. It's three different interpretations and trying to get all that balanced out into a presentation, as you say, that won't be boring, but at the same time, people are going to walk away with good value for their time spent. It's been, I've been working on it for weeks. I don't know how you feel, but for every minute I speak, I feel there's two to three hours of research into that one minute. Oh, absolutely. And when you said earlier about investing in your education, I did a post the other day where I said, I am really beyond baffled by the psychology of human behavior. That was how I started my post. And the reason being, I have a goal before the end of this year, which by the time this podcast comes out, it's going to be after the um, beginning of the year. But before December 31st, I want to gift 2020 copies of my book that you and I talked about earlier, A Colorful Journey. It's about the basic formulation equation, how to be a better formulator, how to get clients in your chair. It's got marketing. It's got all kinds of things in it. And the book itself sells for $25. The ebook version is $20. So I'm going into forums and I'm sharing the link and I'm giving it to as many people as I can. And I'm saying each one, reach one, pay it forward, share it. 700 plus people have clicked on the offer, 700. Right now, as of this recording, 260 people have actually downloaded the book. So to your point, when something's free, there's a weird psychology of it where they don't value it as much. You know, if I said, buy my book for $20, they would buy it and they would read it. When it's free, I wish that I could find out who actually reads it out of the people that download it. Because, you know, I just taught at a beauty school this morning before you and I jumped on here and the looks on their faces, their teacher brought me someone with 34 years experience who teaches hair color every single day. She brought me in to share with her students. They don't look at it as, oh my God, this is a woman who, you know, usually is is getting paid X, Y, Z to do these things on stage they're like, with the arms crossed and the eyes rolled, like, seriously, COVID didn't get me out of this. I still have to show up for class. (laughs) And I gave each one of them the book, the same offer. And I said, I hope that when your teacher brings me back and I get to talk to you again, that when I say something that is also in the book, that you shake your head and say, yes, I know that because I've read the book. I said, I can offer you this offer I can give you a link that you, all you have to do is click on it and you have my book in your hand, but I can't fly to your hometown, drive to your house, take the book, open it up, put it on your lap and say, read this. You have to do the work. So I can't tell you how many people have been spoon fed by me, especially people that I trained in the salon. I would know within a day when people came to work for me if they were going to hit six figures or if they were going to hit the unemployment line in one day. And my husband would be like, you're brutal. How could you possibly? I'm like, because they were late on the day two. They came in with their hair not done on day three. By day four, they have no nail polish. They smell like cigarettes. They look homeless. They get worse every day. You know, it's kind of like, I got the job. I, I looked cute on the interview. Day two is like, oh, she already likes me. I don't have to try as hard. And it just keeps getting worse. And we are in the business of beauty. So it's, I, I never thought that in a, in a hiring situation that I had to explain, like, you need to bathe, you need to smell good, <laughs> you need to brush your teeth. Like, these are human things that you shouldn't have to tell someone. And it's, it's how you treat yourself and how you show up for that position no salon or owner or educator, no one else can help you. There's too much blaming going on in the industry. Oh, my, my boss, this, my salon, that. No, you're your own business behind that chair. See, people, they don't realize that. And there's something, people outside of our industry, they look as hairdressing or hairdressers. Like we're all people that needed a career by default. Mm-hmm. 
and they they really don't understand that you can make an excellent living. You could have a beautiful home. You could have beautiful. You could have whatever you want, but you, you've got to work for it. It's, it doesn't. Um, one of the biggest drawbacks, I think, with society today is a lot of this. Like in our day, back in the day, you envisioned something, but you knew you had to work for it. These days, people get disappointed because their imagination envisions what they want to do, what they want to be, but there's no work under. I, I, I think it was Thoreau, and I'm paraphrasing, about if it's okay to build a castle in the air, but the foundation under that castle has got to be there, which is work. And that's, I think, where people are missing the boat. And trust me, like you, I get more nervous going in front. I'm on the, the board of two <clears throat> public tech schools back here, which you know, I think you know, in Bucks County and then in Middle Bucks County. I think middle bucks actually, I don't know if they uh, fed you when you were in the Conchahawken area or whatever, if there was a separate school. It was a little too far for people to come, but yeah, there's not a whole lot of schools in our area, unfortunately. And you get, you get in front of them and I, I don't get you're only talking for 15 minutes or you're talking for a half hour or an hour or inevitably you're going to have two students that had their head down on a desk when you started and they might be fast. I, I really believe only because my friends have always said this. They said, oh, you just run your hands through woman's hair all day. How hard is that? I'm like, switch sometime. I mean, it, again, with a stylist, you're, you're part psychologist to be a good color formulator. And that's, this is something else Elaine and I have been always on the same page with. It, it entails math. You've got to understand math. You've got to be able to have a good thought process, how to put down a system, why you want to write a system down on a pad or something, whether you're using an iPad or whether you're using a, a pen and a paper, you want to write this stuff down so you, you see it, you understand it. And if there's a mistake, you're able to go back in and know what you did to correct it. I'm mortified by the people that don't even keep track of the clients and what they do with the color. I, I've, I've met people and this is no, I can't think I won't mention any names, but they'll, they'll say, no, I keep everything in my head. God bless you if you can do that. But I don't, I don't buy for a second. When somebody tells me that, I know they lie about other things too. <laughs> and, and to your point, they're usually the same ones that are guessing on the first formula in the first place. They don't really understand the why behind why they chose it. They just got lucky and then they plan on getting lucky again. Um, you talked about your throw um, quote. One of my favorite quotes is Vidal Sassoon. And it's the only time that success comes before work is in the dictionary. I love that because people look at people as an overnight success. You know, um, people have reached out to me recently and they're like, oh my gosh, you, you know, you did this revival event, you're doing all this stuff online. And like, you seem to really understand how to do it. Like, how, how can I do that? And I'm like, you didn't see me seven years ago, like torturing my kids. Wait, how do you do that screen record thing? And how's my face in there and the slide on there? And how do I do that? And how do I edit? And it was seven years of learning how to do the technology, where do I host the videos once I make them? You and I were chatting about a new toy that I shared with you that I just found out about yesterday. Like I am a student always and forever. I spend all of my weekends, I spend in online course creation workshops with other online course creators that are like, oh, you're having a problem with this, use this app. Oh, this is good for editing or this. I'm constantly, constantly learning and still learning hair color, because if I'm going to teach you, I need to know what's what and be at the top of my game. So I think people think, you know, especially that infamous like 10 year mark is like, I got this. I know everything there is to know. I don't need to hear anything. And you see those negative nallies in the forums and it makes me crazy because I so want to get through to them. I think to myself, if I was the colorist that I was five years ago, and I'm in, I'm at 34 years in the industry, if I was the colorist I was five years ago, I wouldn't want me doing my hair right now because I was doing things completely different five years ago than I am right now. So if I didn't continue, like your quote in the uh, inspiration deck about, you know, when you're green, you grow, it's like, it's never ending. There is no done. There is no complete. There is no master. You know, when, when people think that they've mastered it all, retire and start a new career so that you can learn that 
because once you stop and think you know everything, you're in trouble. You're no longer the person that I want teaching me for sure. Absolutely. I mean, again, I plan to go as long as I can go. And then when I feel like I'm slipping, that's when I'll, I'll step out of the, uh, the whole equation. But I, I think again, like for what's going to happen the COVID has changed a lot of things. It was, I think I'm quoting you, didn't you? One of the prolific things you said to me when we did the Tuesday with Joe thing was COVID gave everybody a chance to pause. And I think that's what's happening. And I think a lot of stylists, you know, have taken a step back and some of them have done what you said. They look at their career and decided, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. So they got out. Some of them have stepped back and this is new in Pennsylvania. We never had salon suites before. So they've stepped back. And as a matter of fact, tomorrow I'm supposed to visit one that they just put up. Uh, are you, do you ever come down to Feasterville when you were in Pennsylvania? Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Yeah. To see you. Beautiful. I came there to see you. There right you near Sesame Place. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. I was right across. Actually, I was in the hotel across the street from Sesame Place when you came. That was a great, until Sheraton took over that hotel that I could have retired there. I would have still owned it to this day. That's how much I love the Royce Hotel chain. But uh, my point was that that's new to us. We weren't able to do that. I have thought many times why don't you just put up, I was thinking about it, like when, when you said about us being commissioned salon owners, when I had the six salons, I would have loved, we put, we used to take our top stylists in the salons and they would buy into a, a small partnership. But I, I, I think the rentals for people getting in first into the industry, I don't think that's a smart way to go, but I think somebody that has, maybe exhausted all their uh, opportunities at a salon they're at, it's a natural transition. The only thing that I would miss is I miss, I would miss the interaction of with other stylists because I think that makes you better when you have a salon that you all work as a team and you, you integrate like that, then you lift everybody up. It's almost like you, you get together and this, this balloon takes everybody up to the next level. So when we were talking about that earlier, I think that's going to be a big part of the industry. And a lot of manufacturers and distributors are trying to figure out how can we properly service these people? Cause it's different than going into a salon and just writing down a big order and you're done for the week. Cause now you've got a lot of little areas going. And I think the virtual thing with shows and stuff, I, in my heart, I don't think it's ever going to get back. I mean, back when you, you were in the business in 1993, I think mm-hmm. in 19- I, I opened my salon in 89. 1993, I believe I was on the road all but eight weeks out of that year. Yeah, so it was every that's weekend. What, that's when I was with Matrix. And we, I mean, we had grown. Arnie had died then, but we were still, like Matrix went from May of 80. It went, Sheek! and then Arnie passed away. Bristol Myers Squibb took over. Um, but even before Bristol Myers Squibb took over in 1995, even in 1991, there was a blip up again in the whole industry. So we were doing, we were doing a ton of shows. I mean, it was, it was insane what was going on, but I don't think we're going to see that again. I think it's a, it's all going to be virtual to your point about technology. That's where the younger generation really has the advantage because they're able to understand it better because they were brought up on it. Although you and I can write in cursive, but no, I'm kidding. That's right. So, so, so bottom line is I, for 2021, I, the industry really, I mean, I, I know us as a company, we, we have fared well during COVID and in all the trade journals I read, there's a lot of manufacturers that have fared well in COVID. So the beauty industry is not going to go away. And thank God, a lot of these governors, except for California, unfortunately, even though we're in lockdown right now, but the salon's open, thank God. So I don't know when, if this vaccine, look, I think by about May, we should all be getting back to some semblance of order again, even though we'll still be cutting hair with masks and shields. But I, I think the beauty industry is always gonna be a good venue because now we got the other side of the coin and I'm guilty of this myself. I mean, I have some 80-year-old, 70, 80-year-old clients I've been doing for years. They don't want to leave the house. But 
they want me to come over, wear a mask and, you know, give them a trim or whatever. So you do what you got to do. I love what you said about the sweets. Pennsylvania State Board's listening. Hi, I don't cut anything there. <laughs> yeah. I love what you said about. Um, go ahead. Sorry, we had a little bit of a freeze. Um, no, no, yeah, you, you go. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. When you when you talked about changing over into a suite, I say be careful what you wish for because as an owner, I exactly seven years ago when I started on this path to do the virtual education, I was completely and totally burned out of being an owner. I was so over it. I'm like, I'm tired of hiring. I'm tired of training. I'm tired of maintaining and keeping everybody busy and feeling responsible for everyone's success. Um, I, my dream was, I just want to be in one room. I started by myself in a one, one chair salon and I was very successful. And of course, you know, you keep hiring and growing and hiring, and growing to two locations, the whole bit. And my dream when I moved to Florida was to go back to being by myself. I thought, oh, these suites are amazing. I'm going to have my little cubby just to myself. I can control the temperature, the music, my hours, all the things that people are being drawn to suites for. And to your point, I got there and I set up all my stuff and I looked around and I was like, well, this is weird. I'm in this room by myself. And if I don't have a client, I'm just sitting here. There's no coworker to talk to about something that I learned at a show this weekend or a book that I'm reading or a show that I watched on TV or there was no, you know, for us, especially moms, I have two kids. So work was always like, my happy place of adulthood, you know, of camaraderie, of talking to other people, clients, coworkers, the energy of a salon. And I'm seeing the metrics are going up and it's like, everybody's racing to the suites because the boss doesn't know anything and everybody's awful and woe is me and I'm not making enough money and the owner makes all the money. And then they're going into a suite and they're like, oh crap shit's expensive, you know, like colors, like $10 a tube. Now it used to be $4 a tube. So the expenses, the insurance, the, you know, all that it takes to run a business, they're quickly realizing these new suite owners that they're making the same amount of money, but they're missing all of the learning from their coworkers. So now they're starting to go back into salons, like the suite that I was in, I made it three months and I was like, this is not for me. Like, thank God I was subletting somebody's lease. So I wasn't on the hook. I was just like, can you find somebody else? This is not for me. I hated it. Um, I was using it more for my content to just do the models and have a sink and all of that. But I'm like, if this was my everyday, like the people in the suites didn't visit each other. There was like no relationship. Like I would say hi to somebody and they would just put their head down and close their door. And I was like, I don't know, maybe I'm like really old, but I like people and I want to know people and I want to know the names of everybody. There was one person in our whole suite that was nice to me and he was older than me. So he, I guess, felt how I felt when I was like, none of them are nice to me. I'll be nice to this girl. She's close to my age. So I was really disappointed in that. And I, I really hope that that's not where our industry's headed because I think to your point, the fact that, you know, the new generation is so attached to their phone and everything is so digital and virtual that they don't know how to introduce themselves to someone at a party. Like everybody's become the ultimate digital introvert. Like when they have to talk, actually talk to someone, they freeze because they're not used to it. And I, I worry that that's the new norm. You know, I, I, I'm a people person. I'll, I'll always be a people person. So again, the suite was not for me. I think if you are the type of person that you're all business and you're like, I just want to service my client. I don't want to get into the chitty chat and, and you hate all that, then you'll love a suite because it's very isolating and very, very, uh, you're on your own and nobody bothers you, but well, that was not for me. It was interesting. After I had permed Juliana Huff, a young lady paid for me. I went to California to perm her hair and we had to do it in a suite. It was a friend's suite or whatever, but there were 60 salons in this one building. So I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. I mean, but again, to your point, nobody even walk in the hallways and you say hi to people, they would look at you like you had 10 heads. It was, yeah. it was a whole a whole different animal. And again, I, I still maintain that when somebody gets 
out of school, you've got five years before you could even even think this much that you, and that's right, I'm on a podcast, so you can't, <laughs> like a, a smidge, <laughs> a smidge that you've learned everything because you haven't. I mean, you, it takes five years just to get, this industry, as far as I'm concerned, is about learning from your mistakes. Now, you don't want to make a lot of mistakes, but you learn, that's that's how you, you learn, by yeah. doing, right? It's, it's all by doing. So I, I would, even to this day, myself, to be in, I would be like you. If I had to go into a single chair suite, I'd have a hard time with that. But again, if you if you don't care or, or if you just want to be alone with your clients and you have that type of clientele that just likes to chit chat back with you, it's a great deal. I mean, listen, it's here to stay. It's a trend. I look at it the same way that people looked at when it went from the horse and buggy to the automobile. People went, that it will never take off. Suites are going to do good. Suites are owned. Traditionally, what happens in our industry is the businesses that take off are owned by people that aren't even in the business mm-hmm. because they have a different perspective on it. And they're able to see it, which is why I tell stylists when I speak to them, get some knowledge outside of the industry too. go. You don't, you know, if you don't want your college degree, that's fine, but at least take some business courses, go to a community college. And to your point about the people skills, I'd recommend anybody take at least a psych 101 course because it definitely would open your eyes and give you a, a whole different paradigm on people's psyche that you have to, uh, speak to and help. Cause I remember as a young hairdresser, I wish I could come home sometimes and stick my head in the toilet and flush it to get rid of all the negativity I was hearing at that point. And Absolutely. that's something again, that you learn as you progress, you learn how to neutralize it. I love what you said about the first five years. I did a coaching call with one of my members yesterday. And when she wrote to me and said, I need your advice you know, can we talk? And I said, absolutely. You know, I gave her the time and day and she started off with, I already know you're going to say that I did it too soon, but I'm in a suite and I'm right out of school. And I just said, well, you just answered your own question. You know what I'm going to say. I was 34 years experience, confident, understand marketing, own two salons, trained probably 50 stylists. And I had a rough time building a clientele in a suite. So someone brand new that hasn't even begun to formulate hair color, to make mistakes, to to overcome corrective situations, you need a sounding board. You need a coworker. You need someone there that is a little bit further ahead than you. So she's feeling bad that she's losing money. And I'm like, just think about if you were to work in a salon, even if you're in a a commission salon and you're making only 40%, you're still getting 40% of something. When you're running a suite, you have to put that money out no matter what. If you have zero clients, you're going to be at negative 800 every month because you have to pay that rent whether people come or not. So what would ever make you think that going into a suite with no clients was a good idea. You know, the, the first $1,600 that you earn every single month just pays for the roof over your head. Right. That's not even paying you anything. And then you have your color cost, your cotton, your gloves, your insurance, your workman's comp, your this, your that. And it's like, what what were you thinking? You know, and then there's this fight to, to hold on to it. You know, the, the fight to hold on to something that's not working is stronger than the fight to educating yourself humbling yourself, taking a step back and getting under a mentor and then go to the suite when you're busy and you have your clientele. Like it's not, it's not no, never. It's just not right now. It's not right now. Right. Exactly. And I tell people, I I mean, you know, the students again with the two tech schools, when they ask, I'm like, go to work for a chain. That is your best, your, 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 your best introduction into the industry is to get in with a chain that has a location that provides a lot of foot traffic so you can do as many heads as you want. But, you know, in a lot of the schools, even if you're there on a clinic day, for example, somebody go, I don't want that. They'll be hiding from the people. And they, So, again, I, I chalk some of that up to that they're young. And then if they continue to do it when they get in the salon, that's where I would get rid of people. I, I can remember... Uh, one girl in particular, she said, I want to cut hair. I want to cut hair. I want to cut hair. So I started, you know, as you did, we start them off as assistants. 
And then after a while, it's like, okay, you're ready. <laughs> and she wouldn't cut hair. She would start crying. If I, mm-hmm. so I had eventually I had to, unfortunately I had to terminate her, but it, it gets, it gets crazy. Can it be done? So anybody out there doesn't think you and I are being too negative about it. It can be done if you have enough. <laughs> We're all in bitter. <laughs> right. You have enough intrinsic motivation to go the extra mile. You sit down and you cut pictures out of magazines and you, you do formulations, you know, based on Elaine's book, for example, or what I would do with permanent waving and haircuts is I'd cut pictures out and I would diagram which way the lines were supposed to go, you know, visualize how you're supposed to hold your body, how you're supposed to hold your hands, et cetera. I still maintain, Elaine, if you and I had the opportunity of the internet when we were younger, I think within 20 years, I would have had a 50 foot Hatteras yacht in the Bahia Mar that I would have been retired on because everything is at your fingertips with this internet. It's the education. And again, you know, in your gut, whether something's good or bad, it's just, it's, I think you had, didn't you go to Santa Monica too for Sassoon's? Mm-hmm. I had gone sat twice to Santa Monica and I think it was two or three times to uh, Toronto. But you don't, I mean, you still want your own style. There, do, do you know who Ray Fung is? Have you ever seen any mm-hmm. of his? Yeah. I mean, Ray, Ray is tremendous and he's all about diagramming haircuts. And that to me is where it's at. If we're visual people, 99% of us are visual, but we also are kinesthetic. We need to do it with our hands and bodies. And when you have know how to diagram it, you could visualize how you're going to execute it. And even if you're not quite that good yet, you're going to get it close. And then the, the experience over a period of time is where you're really going to nail it. So it can be done for those of you out there thinking, oh, I'm in like the girl you talked to yesterday. Can be done, honey, but she's doing the right thing. though. Having you as a coach, to me, I see that as being, that's a major kudo to her even though I also agree with you that she shouldn't have gone into a studio that early. Yeah. I said, even if um, she's like, well, when, when do I know whether to give up or not? And I said, only you will know because your bills will tell you she has three kids and right now it's costing her more money than she's earning. Um, But I said, you, she has the passion. She has the will. She shows up, she does the work. So I said, you're going to succeed faster than most people, but it's going to be a hard thing. Like you need to buckle up and be ready to work really, really hard to make this happen. I said, if it were me, I would keep the suite and keep trying to make it work, but I would get a job one day a week at the top salon in your area. I would beg them to let me shampoo at their salon. Even right now at 34 years experience, I would say, just let me shampoo. I just want to be a fly on the wall. I just want to watch. And I would just take it all in that, you know, the whole time I wasn't busy, I'd be watching every successful person and what's making them be successful. And that would be the way that I would learn while I was building the suite. I wouldn't just wait for it to happen because it's, it's going to take too long. And that goes back to what we said, I said earlier about modeling. What you're doing at that point is you're modeling, you're taking all that in and I think again, and I, I harp on this on Tuesdays with Joe and probably harping on it here too, but write stuff down. When you write stuff down, it crystallizes your thought. It's easier to do, whether it's goal, you know, and everybody has a different play on the way they goal set and that's fine. But you, you got to know what target you're shooting for. And if exactly. it's to be a great colorist, then you buy books like A Colorful Journey. You, you follow people like Elaine, you follow Beth Minardi, you follow David Valesco, you buy David Valesco's books. I mean, there's a lot of resources out there. You just, you know, beat the bushes and and the actually there's not that many bushes to beat to get to the good ones. And you exactly you put that in your repertoire. Exactly. Well, you have stood the test of time, my friend. And you're not going anywhere anytime soon. You continue to be relevant and reinvent yourself. You have to support those beautiful cars of yours that you exactly. have a habit of habit habit of buying. So um, I love our relationship. I love that we get to keep in touch virtually now that I'm far away. And I'm sure at some point we will see each other at an in-person show again. I'm not sure when that will be, but I'm sure it will be. And uh, so much gratitude for you and for inviting me onto your 
Tuesdays with Joe. Thank you for that opportunity to share the book offer. And I hope you continue to share that link. And I will see you in class. Joe is coming to my fearless formulation challenge. So all the years of experience that he has, and he was the first person to sign up for fearless formulation. So he is walking the walk, not just talking the talk. And uh, he will be there along with any of you that decide to join us. We're gonna go deep on formulation and how to make it so easy and effortless that it's as simple as third grade math and you get it right every single time. So I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And I'm looking, I couldn't believe that you, when you said they said, Joe was the first one. I told you, as soon as I put down, as soon as we got <laughs> off, I was gonna do it because again, I, I know I'm gonna learn something. I know it's gonna motivate me to be a better colorist you know, down the line. And that's, that's what it's all about. You, you got to get up for every day going, I got to, I, I want to be even just a small percentage, whatever that percentage is, I want to be that percentage better than I was yesterday. And people like you, that's a do. So I'm honored that you had me on today and uh, I'll have a Merry Christmas. Well, no, this will be out after that. This is oh, after. Yeah. Is so after. Ha happy new year. Make 2021. Uh, make 2020 a thing of the past. Like, let's not stay sitting in the crap of COVID and all of that. Like, let's shift the conversation. Let's shift the energy into what's new, what's next. And, you know, we all, we all lived it. We all have the battle scars of COVID. So let's just, you know, move forward and move on and, and educate ourselves to make 2021 our best year yet. That's what, that's how I'm looking at it for sure. Exactly. Well, thank you again. And I'm going to leave you guys with this quote that nothing great ever is accomplished in your comfort zone. So mm. make 2021 the year that everybody gets out of their comfort zone. Thanks again, Elaine. I love that. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.